Welcome to Intriguing Beings, a new podcast with me, Rue Chater. Over the last 20 years, I have been lucky enough to meet and interview a host of interesting people. This summer, I decided to record some of these conversations for a new podcast. Episode 1 with Nick Jacobson. Let me apologise up front for some of the audio in this clip. I recorded a few of these at the kitesurfing armada this year in the Ford Transit custom van. However, when it came round to chatting to Nick, the weather had got so hot it was just unbearable and we decided to hope for the best with the sound outside the van rather than sit inside it and melt. Nick's one of my favourite kite surfers. He burst onto the scene in 2011 with his first kiteboarding stunt. In this podcast, we chat about that very first crane jump and how it changed his life and also look at his more recent jump off the massive hotel in Dubai. Discover how seriously Nick takes safety when he does these tricks, and how he deals with the fame it has brought him. We also chat about his relationship with Richard Branson, dealing with injuries and missing out on the King of the Air last year. Ultimately though, this conversation underlines how his out-of-the-box approach to kiteboarding has changed him, and arguably the sport of kiteboarding for the better. I'll add some links to this podcast with all of the videos that we talk about and some other videos as well. So if you've not come across Nick and his incredible stunts before, you'll be able to check them out. I really hope you enjoy this episode. It's an incredible conversation with one of the most impressive kiteboarders on the planet. So I'm sat today. Uh, we've left the hot van. Um, wasn't going to subject my next guest to that but I'm sat with Nick Jacobson uh, who is a very talented kiteboarder um, he's become exceedingly famous on YouTube I would say for some of his crazy stunts kind of like the Danny McCaskill of the kiteboarding world so Danny does his crazy mountain bike tricks and Nick does his crazy crazy kiteboarding tricks um, I first came across Nick when I saw a video of him uh, climbing up a crane that was attached to a rusting boat in South Africa with a kite in his hands. And I'm going to put the link for this video for anyone that hasn't seen it um, in, the, in the bottom of the podcast. But basically, it was the most incredible thing I'd ever seen. Nick, what on earth made you think of doing that? <laughs> <laughs> so do you want the, uh, the honest story? Or? Yeah, let's go with the honest story and um, see where that takes us. Yeah, right. So I was, um, I was in Cambodia with my friend. Yeah. That's how it all, how all came, came about. Okay. And um, I, I went to Cambodia to... Um, we bought a house, me and my friend, yep. uh, to start a hostel. Just for the fun of it, and yeah. we're a bit, you know, sick and tired of society. And you know, when you reach that age, uh, in in the you're in the twenties, like yeah. in the beginning of the twentieth, and you like, you, you just, you know, uh, I think we're just at a stage where it's it's my best buddy, and uh, we're just sick and fed up with, you know, being like in that society kind of. We just wanted to like travel out there and see what what you know what where we. Yeah, in a way, and and we're like, let's let's go to Cambodia, get a house there, and um, make a guest house, and just be ourselves, you know. Cool. So without any, you know, uh, judgmental people around us, and we just wanted to get away from that society kind of thing. So we went there, and and we got the house, and uh, we started like a small guest house, and within four or five months, we we quickly realized that um, okay, this is gonna cost a bit more money than we realized, and. Um, 
So, uh, and we're a bit, you know, over it already. Because really? we're, we're not After a few months? Yeah, we're, we're not... We're, <laughs> the grand I mean, plan wasn't quite Exactly. It it, I mean, it wasn't like, this is the goal in life, let's do this. It was It was more like a... Like uh, a quick idea we had. Let's do this. Okay, got some tickets. We flew to Cambodia. We got the house. We set up this whole like camp there. And, yeah. And at some point we just realized that this is not for us. Uh, let's do something else. We didn't have any money. We I think I had like a few thousand on my account. Wow. Uh, so we're like, well, I'm pretty decent in kiteboarding back then. And uh, why don't we just go to um, go to Cape Town? Because yeah. I know me know my way around there we can stay for free we don't it's 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 gonna be fairly uh, cheap to be there my dad was there he had a car we could use and so right. we we spent the, like pretty much the rest of our money on our on our ticket to cape town <laughs> we went there in the beginning of the season uh, in like october or so yeah and um we're like huh okay so we're gonna be here for like half a year and we don't really have any money, but um, we could try and benefit off my skill, which is kiteboarding. Yeah. So let's contact my sponsors. Maybe they want to, you know, pay us a bit if we make a video. And so we did that, and we got a few uh, money into our accounts. And um, I did, uh, I did this crane jump uh, the year before that, or two years before our Cambodia experience. Okay. So, the, and but you but didn't the, the video it or just we 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 did video it. Um, and um, the thing is that as soon as we got back to the beach, um, all the camera equipment was stolen out of the car. No. Luckily, there was this Dutch guy, Dim, who filmed it with his small little handy cam, like far okay. away from, like all yeah. shaky. And it, it looked like something that could have been animated. Okay. And it didn't look real almost. It, it didn't look real, no. So, and all the comments online, they're like, oh, it's a one big hoax. It's yeah, just, you know, whatever. Fake, uh. So I'm like... <laughs> This this it, wasn't this a hoax. This, this is, I mean, it. I have to do this before they blow up this ship. Yeah. Because that was the initial plan. So, um, what we did was, I I, uh, I contacted uh, Kaluchis, which yeah. is the local sandwich bar there, and I went in there. I know the owner, and um, it's like, hey, how, how would you like to team up with uh, with me and my my buddy here? We can eat for free at your sandwich bar <laughs> for the next like four or five months. Yeah. Till till the end of our stay in Cape Town. And I'll bring a menu up and I'll be creative. Yeah. And he was like, well, if you do that and if we can make you a few sandwiches, you can bring, you can like put it in your wetsuit and like maybe have a bite when you're up there. Whatever. Like yeah. it's up to you guys. Whatever you want to create, you do that. And we have a deal. So you can, you can, you can eat come here. Free. You can eat for free for the next few this months. This is brilliant. <laughs> so, um, and I told, I told Lewis, my, my, my best buddy there. And um, he was like, well, if you're up for it, I'm, I'll be filming. <laughs> so... Sweet. And that's that's how it it, it came about again, because um, then you know we we would wake up every morning, go to Kaluchi's, have have uh, breakfast, go for a session, come back, have lunch at Kaluchi's, <laughs> and then have dinner again because we didn't have any money, you know. Perfect. We we had a little bit, but we I mean it was a great you know alternative of yeah. uh, trying to save a bit of cash. So um, that's how it came about. Um, not to get free sandwiches, yeah. but like to <laughs> that was a byproduct. Yeah, yeah, but. Just to you know, for me to have that in my archive when I get yep. old. Yep. So this is, I'm gonna put a GoPro in my mouth in the kite everywhere. We gotta have all these different angles, and um, so we, yeah, pull it off again. And uh, and to set the scene, this was an old rusting sort of tanker in the yeah. bay off um, the coast of Bloberg, which is exactly. in Cape Town, South Africa. And how high was the crane? Because I think it was around 50 meters. 
Wow. So, something like that. So like not, nothing, nothing too crazy, but still yeah. high enough to... And you, you are climbing up this crane with a kite board uh, attached by your kite leash. Yeah. And that's just kind of bouncing its way up behind yeah, you. And, and then you're I, flying a kite yeah. whilst climbing a ladder. It's yeah. very rusty. Yeah. <laughs> I remember people riding on sevens and eights on the beach, and I was on an 11. Wow. Just to get that extra bit of lift. Because so, I, w- I would be climbing with one hand, and obviously my, my feet, and the other hand I would have like on the bar all the time and then I would go like from every time I would grab some rusty part on that crane I would I would like grab something and then put my hand on the release grab something put my hand on, on the release because I needed to like implement that movement from grabbing something on the r- rusty crane to being able to release my kite at any given any time because if the kite would you know start uh, looping or yeah catch something on the crane or something and i would have to release i would be I, I just prepared myself yeah yeah so that was the kind of safety decision around it was, yep. and i remember that the board just the yeah i remember the board just dangling around me because yeah. i had my leash on my spreader bar and then through the foot strap and then yep. attached to my back yeah and it was just flying around. It in hit my shin so many times, and I was like, <laughs> oh, I was screaming because it was so sore. You know, when I when the toe side just hits yeah. your shin, Wadang! it was so painful. But um, I was just very focused on things and not going wrong. And you got to the top, pulled the menu out, ate a sandwich, had a sandwich, and yeah. then jumped off. And we're set for the rest of our trip. <laughs> and that was it. And did that? Was that the kind of? I mean, that was when I kind of first really noticed you as a kiteboarder. I yeah. guess. Yeah. Did that? Was that when it blew up? for you was that that video uh, sort pretty of much pretty yeah viral. yeah that then, went pretty viral because it's not only kiteboarding it's it's it kind of broadens the uh, perspective of you know yeah, uh, the audience, audience and, yeah uh, who's gonna watch that yeah. anyone who yeah. thinks this is crazy yeah exactly the, so that that went pretty viral and that's when i realized okay that was i mean not to sound arrogant but that was fairly easy for me to do yeah so if if i you know try and and it's it fun like yeah it's super fun I love to be very serious and focused when I do stuff like this. And for the viewer, it looks insane. And it looks like, whoa, this guy has got no brain, no, like nothing. <laughs> and, you know, I, I think, I mean, it's, it's just fun. I, yeah. I really enjoy uh, pushing the limits, like my own limits. And um, that's what I, I did. And I thought, I mean, if, if, if this can be some sort of... Uh, way or direction that i could go without influencing too many of you know because i don't want people to do the same as i do yeah because i I feel yeah i feel so confident that nothing will go wrong maybe someday i don't know but you know i'm i'm praying not to like it's it's just it feels pretty easy for me to do all these like crazy all all the stuff that i do yeah because i've been kiting like for ages you know yeah so you've got great kite control yeah i don't even look at the kite anymore when i fly it i just feel where it is yeah and um if you're at that stage then i think you can try and you know be a bit creative you can do some kind of different things yeah yeah awesome and so what was your next big trick you did because you've done some pretty i don't i don't remember what exactly uh what came after the crane jump but it was definitely you know an eye-opener for me that I can go in a pretty easy direction in, 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 in this and people people like it and I like when people like it, you know? Yeah. I like to motivate people, especially the youth and I like when people come up to me and they say, hey, well done on that. That, that looked crazy or yeah. insane and 
And uh, hey, I got up on the board the first time last last week because um, you motivated me to get on the board, and yeah. and that's what drives me. I guess because it's reaching like that wider audience that you said. You yeah. know, you're not just showing your videos to kiteboarders; you're mm. showing your videos to young kids. You then might go, God, I want to try a kiteboard. Yeah, exactly. So that's a yeah. great motivation and a, exactly a nice little pat on the back, I guess, when you get that feedback and it gives you sort of affirmation yep. that what exactly. you're doing is a positive thing mm -hmm. and it's good to do. I mean, the biggest trick you've done, well, I say trick, it's not a trick, the biggest stunt that you've done so far um, was probably jumping off the hotel in Dubai, would you say? Yeah. Yeah, I, 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 like for me personally, definitely. Yeah. Um, the production that came about it was, wasn't, you know, that satisfying for me to watch because... We, we had a, a very limited period of when I could jump and all the permits and all that stuff. So it, at the end, it was more like, I need to do this. Yeah. Uh, even What's if the I've name of the hotel again? It's the, the Burj, Burj Al Arab. Burj Al Arab. So for anyone yeah. listening, they can look that up. But yeah, carry on. Yeah. Sorry. So it, it was, you know, it was more like an achievement that I, I, I needed to achieve this because it, it was a funny idea that came about like five or six years ago. Right. And um, we've been I've been trying to get all the permits for so many years, but it, they just never came through. And at the end, it was more like I, I, I need to do this. I, I didn't I didn't feel the urge. I didn't feel the need to actually do it because it was fun or like exciting. It was more like I need to show these guys that I, I can get the, the freaking permits, you know. <laughs> and at the end, I got them, so I won. And then I was like, oh shit, now I need to do it. Now you got to jump off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, I mean, how high was that one? Because you, you basically pumped your gear up on top of the helipad, which yeah. is at an altitude of... 211 meters. 211 meters. Yeah. And there's not a lot of wind. And then basically you just jump off and use your kite as a parachute, essentially. Right, yeah. Um, yeah. Have you done... I mean, it's probably quite similar to paragliding, I guess, or something yeah, like that. I have mean, you done like, other sports that give I've, you that I've, confidence in the air? Or is it just from practicing these stunts that yeah, you've got that? I've done, uh, I've done a bunch of paragliding and skydiving, too. Um, but the main thing is how to control the kite uh, midair, and because yeah. um, there is there is a lot of things that can that can go wrong. So what I'm trying to focus on is all the safety. It yeah. might not look like it, but th I'm all about that. <laughs> uh, so if anything goes wrong, if I snap a line, if the kite explodes, it's if if anything, you know. So I was I am um, I wanted to put on a parachute, but last minute I I decided not to. Because uh, maybe I thought that would, because that was like four kilos on the on the yeah. side of my my harness. Maybe that would cause me Extra to go into weight. rotation or something. Yeah, I'm not used to riding with off a, balance. Or, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And four kilos is quite a lot. Yeah, right? yeah. And I told myself as soon as the kite is above me, I'll make that decision whether to wear the parachute or not. Yeah. So and it, I, I felt good up there. I felt like very confident, um, confident, and the kite was flying well, and it was. It was. It was. It felt right when the kite was above me, so I decided not to wear the parachute. And do you have any like? Are your kites having any extra stitching? Are your lines different strengths, or are you just using stock gear from Cabrina? No, this? everything was a bit reinforced. Okay. Uh, everything from the bar, the board, the foot straps, the lines, the everything. kite. The thing is, you don't you don't want to uh, do double stitching because okay. that makes double the holes in the kite. Yeah. So it creates a weak point rather yeah. than a strong point. Exactly. So we we did some some modification on the kite, but not too much. Okay. I did double bridles, uh, okay. double nuts, and all that double lines yeah uh 
but nothing happened to the gear, like nothing. It was fine. I mean, I, th- I think there's a there's a bigger chance of something going wrong in a in a toe up. Yeah. Because that there's so much more tension on the lines and on on the kite. Yeah. Uh, when you're gliding down like I did, it, it's it's not it's not that bad, you know. I think there's even more tension when you're riding over part on a kite. Yeah. Because I'm just uh, a it's rock just a to, view, like, under under the kite, yeah, below the kite. So it it wasn't it wasn't that intense. And yeah. if I was up in 211 meters doing that that from that base that base jump that I did, um, I could have done it from. A thousand. It, w- yeah. it would have been the same. It was the same tension on all the equipment. Same tension, same height almost. Because if anything goes wrong in that in that altitude, it would be the same. Uh, it would be exactly the same if you jump from th- three thousand feet. You know. So I was I was actually hoping that it was a bit higher, but it wasn't. <laughs> it certainly looks high enough. I mean, my next question is going to be: What on earth goes through your mind when you've you've got all the permits? You've you've gone to the top of the hotel. You've stood on the helipad. You've pumped the kite up. You've launched the kite, it's above you, and you're like about to jump off. Like, what's going through your mind at that moment? Yeah, I got that question many times, and uh, I'll stick to my 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 one, my, my one answer, and and that is uh, as as crazy that it might sound. It's uh, not a lot goes through my mind. Um, I'm extremely focused on on the whole thing that's about to happen. So, if I'm you know scared, if I'm nervous, if anything. Then I would probably just have put my kite down again or release yeah. the, the kite because there's there's no space there's no time for being nervous. Yeah. Um, if when I when I do that with stuff like this because it's if you have doubts if you have anything it it seems to me that that then that's when things go wrong for me. Yeah. So I was just very focused. I was very I was trying to visualize what could go wrong and to, like to try and spot my landing even though. It's kind of difficult when you're when you're that high up. So it was um, not not too much, to be honest. Um, just I was very focused, focused and the uh, job at hand. yeah, and I was very um, you know uh, trying to communicate to the camera crew on the boat on land yeah. behind me. Um, I guess you've got all that to think about, right? You've got to be all making sure that the cameras are rolling. because yeah. you don't want to be jumping off and exactly. then go, oh, you need to do it again. Yeah, you yeah. It. and <laughs> it was it was you know all these cameras there. It it's the, the most advanced gear they used. So as soon as they push record it's so expensive to record and so they they told me count down from 10 and then you should count to 10 and then i can jump so everything was so tight we had a window of 25 minutes we have to wow. close, close the airspace around the building uh, all the traffic coming to the building on that little yeah. road coming out and um they had to close down the whole whole hotel for 25 minutes wow. um, so that's pretty pricey too um, yeah. so and i'm like this is my life, guys. Yeah. Uh, give yeah, me an I, hour, not 25 minutes. Yeah, Come on, like, you know. Yeah, I, <laughs> so, I want a bit of time to prepare. Yeah, or so I want to make sure everything's exactly, okay. Exactly. Yeah, but it, you know, it it went well, and um, we didn't get permits for the drone to be up when I jumped, so uh, I had to go there the next day. We had to film all the ricking up and yeah. like all that stuff, me looking down and all that to make like the story. Um, and as soon as I got my kite up, I I got the message that we we didn't get permits for the drones. Uh, do you want to go ahead? I'm like. Oh man, you know I've been working on this for five <laughs> years and we don't have drones. This Crazy. is 2017. Come yeah, on, what's man. Going on? Yeah, let's put something up there. <laughs> uh, and uh, at the end, I was like, you know what? If if they don't even film this, if if they don't record anything, I'll still be happy. You yeah, know? you I, still I, achieved I, your goal. I, I did it. You yeah. know, and uh, so I'm like, okay, whatever. And I I I remember I went, um, okay, three, two, one, see ya. 
and then I jumped, and then I I looked at all the footage in the evening, and it you know it it looked looked cool, and yeah. uh, I was just happy that I achieved that goal that I had in my head for like five years, and that was the main thing for me. Do you feel that you've um, sort of led yourself down a path with your kite surfing where now? you're expected to do these crazy things because I know you do a lot of traveling mm. um, and obviously your life has probably changed immeasurably from those days in Cambodia to what you're doing now yeah. like, do you find that you know whenever you go to a place you're expected to jump off something and, and that's why they're having you there or do you not feel that pressure so much or do you enjoy doing that and is that something that you like doing I enjoy it I don't feel any uh, pressure from anyone because um, I think pe- I mean the main thing is my sponsors. Yeah. Uh, if I feel any pressure from them, that would be wrong, I guess, because obviously they don't want me to kill myself. Yeah. Uh, or in, injure myself at you know. Um, so I don't I don't feel any pressure. It's more like a need that I have when we are at a big event like this at the Armada here in the UK. It's it's just fun to do a tour up like I did just now, yeah. uh, 20, 30, 40 meters. It's not that high, it's not that spectacular, but at least we put on a show, you know. Yeah. And um, we make it. you know people um, you know happy and they're cheering on the beach. And I like that, you know. It's it's cool to create that vibe, and it's crazy that one person can create that vibe. Yeah. From pulling something that's fairly easy for the guy. Uh, to all of a sudden see all these guys coming up to you asking you questions and I enjoy that I really enjoy that what uh, what f- what I find weird is uh, the whole signing stuff and uh, yeah because I'm not let, like that myself I was going to ask you a question about that because to give give the listeners an idea we Nick and I said we were going to do this interview and it took a while to set up anyway because Nick was doing his toe up and then he's in high demand at this event and we were just trying to walk from the tent to our van and I think you had your photo taken, was stopped for a photo yeah. taken like four times. <laughs> yeah. You signed the shirt, you know. Yeah. Does that get tough? It doesn't get tough. I mean, come on, what the hell? Yeah. It's, it's whatever, you know, it's easy. It's yeah. easy, you know. Um, I think uh, compared to what I get from kiteboarding, uh, signing and, and, and photos and stuff is is. It's pretty easy, you know. Yeah. What I what I don't understand is why they want it, you know, because <laughs> uh, I'm just a regular guy. Yeah. And I'm I'm skilled in what I do, uh, like you are, like all these listeners, whatever they do, I'm sure they're good at it. Um, I'm just good at something that I sort of uh, created in a way. Yeah. And it it looks spectacular and it looks crazy and and, and so I, I I get why, you know, people people want that from you, but. I am just a regular guy. That's yeah. it, you know? Anyone can walk up to me, ask me anything. And, I mean, we both have two arms. We both have two legs. We both eat, sleep, and, you know, do our stuff. So, in that, I don't... I think I'm, I just have a very humble uh, approach to it. Yeah. Because we are all the same. Yeah. Uh, without it sounding too uh, Yeah, I mean, freaking, I think it's, you know, it's something I've noticed amongst, like, all kite boarders. You know, when you reach a certain level... Um, you obviously get this attention and you obviously get people coming up to you and wanting your autograph and stuff and I think everyone takes it in really good stride and realises yeah. that hey that's part of the job And yeah I, th- I, th- I think what, what, what people don't get about me is that when, when I ask about them they're not used to that like a, a famous guy uh, asking to know what they're yeah. up to because I mean they ask me all these questions and I feel I don't feel obligated to ask them back but I'm like so do you live here? Why are you here? Why? What are you doing at this event? And oh, it's a cool van you have. Can the roof pub open? Like yeah. all these questions that I have, and because I'm a curious guy, and I, I would like to know all <laughs> Stop this. Freaking uh, out. Yeah, and then all of a sudden, this random dude from wherever, he's like, 
hell is this guy? Why does he want to know all this stuff about me? And I like that, you know. It's it's it makes fe- people feel uh, good around you too, yeah. you know. If because they, they are trying, I mean, a lot of people are trying to show their best of themselves when they meet. I mean, if I, if you met you know, uh, Denzel Washington or like yeah. uh you would want to uh, show the best of you, you yeah. know. You would. It's not like, hey man, how's it going? You're like, oh hey, yeah, I'm a big fan of you, like blah blah blah, and so that's what people are doing. And I would like to um, meet them. I would yep. like to show them a great respect too, and show the best of me. But obviously, I mean, you can't do that all day because that it wears Sorry. you down at, at at the end. But um, it's easy yep. for me. It's easy. Yeah, it is. It's yeah. not a problem. No, not at all. What's the hardest thing um, about being Nick Jacobson now compared to being Nick Jacobson in Cambodia when? nobody really knew who you were um i think that the traveling yeah because uh, i i do travel a lot and um uh, it's it's hard to um i think what like the expectations of my sponsors and i i meet them all the time and um but definitely being away from um family friends girlfriend uh, stuff like that at home because i don't i don't have that root those routines that other people might have yeah like i don't it's not that i want it but i don't have it i just don't yeah. have it so it's it's i i think it's hard yeah you know cause I, i haven't tried it for so many years like waking up at eight o'clock going to work at nine or whatever i haven't tried that um but i would like a bit more structure and a bit more of a routine in my life in my life and i don't have that i have my you know routines when i'm flying i have my yeah. head my headphones i have like spare batteries every time i sit down i change my battery put the seat belt on and then i i listen to a podcast and then i fall asleep then i wake up i watch a movie i do some work and then i i land i arrive yeah. you know so in in, in got terms routines of within your definitely role, but not yeah. a life yeah exactly routine and around what you're doing yeah. each day And I feel like a lot of people they they don't I mean when when they look at my life I I travel a lot and I was in the Bahamas just now and then I was in Egypt then I was in Cape Town in Sicily I was up in Australia I mean I travel all the time and it looks great yeah and from the outside from people going to work every day and it it looks amazing and don't get me wrong it is it, <laughs> it really is amazing but um it's it's tough sometimes yeah, um, i understand that because then mean, then you travel to argentina and you meet all these guys this this group of people and you're there for only like four days and you get uh, especially a guy like me who's very curious and i'm very involving with uh, people then i become their best friend for three or four days and then after that i'm off to a different event uh, i'm like see you guys maybe yeah. not ever again Um, and I guess that because you're sort of making friends everywhere you go, but yeah. you don't know if they're lifelong friends or friends exactly. for three days. Yeah. Or, yeah. So that's a bit weird, you know. It's it's hard to deal with sometimes. But um, and then I fly back to Denmark and I see all my friends there, and then it's all this all like the same. And that's why I try to fly out of Denmark now. Yeah. Like, I would come here, I would fly back to Denmark, then I would spend like seven hours there, and then Barcelona, and then so a lot of traveling, and and that's. It makes it a bit hard for a person like me, I'd yeah. say. Yeah, yeah, I understand that. I mean, it's tough. It is. It does look like a great lifestyle from the outside, and of course, it is a fantastic lifestyle. And we're so lucky and blessed to be yeah. able to do what we do. But at the same time, you know, when you haven't been home for months on end, you miss it. it yeah. makes it difficult to have that kind of normality yeah. in your life. And then I remember last last year, or I think it was 2016, maybe I was home for two weeks, 
Wow. In in total, like a day that here, two days there, yeah, because I was just on the go all the, the time. time, and that was fun, you know. Yeah, I, I I loved it, but but now reflecting back on that, it's I don't like to live like that, um, because you, you just you don't have any ground, you don't have any, yeah. you like. Uh, so I'm trying to change that a bit. You spend um, a lot of time in Cape Town in the winters. Does that feel a little bit like home for you when Definitely. you go there? Yeah, Cape Town is my second home. I've yeah. been there since I was six. Yeah. Because my dad moved there when I was six years old, and uh, so I've been there every winter since I was six. Um, and I only started kiting uh, ten years later um, when I was sixteen. So it that definitely feels like a second home. Yeah. Yeah. So when I'm there, I, I, I have all my good friends, and they know that I kite, but you know they don't really give a shit about it. They're just like, yeah, you kite, whatever. Uh, I have my job, and they they they're real friends. You know, yeah. they they don't see you as a as this, you know, legend or whatever. And <laughs> I, 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 I like that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So your school, yeah, the people that you grew up with, they yeah. know who you are. They're not bothered exactly. by anything. Yeah. And they saw Nick. They they knew Nick before. Before uh, he was all famous. this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. In a way, um, you've uh, spent a bit of time with Richard Branson over on Necker Island. Yeah. Um, how did that come about? Because Necker has this sort of mystical thing. You know, Richard obviously does a lot of kiting and he does a lot of promotion for the sport because he does it and he gets a massive wider audience and then he's got his island where he's got his water sports center mm. and stuff like that and you know a few people are fortunate enough to travel there yeah. how did it come about and you know how did you get into that sort of side of things i was i was invited to his island in 15 2015 yeah and uh for my time yeah um for uh, entrepreneur slash kite event yeah and um i uh, I was up in Alaska doing a trip with with a few friends, uh, fishing and kiting and just having fun. And I got I got the invite um, from Susie Susie Mai, yeah. and she emailed me and she's like, "Hey, we have an open spot if you want to fly down. Uh, you have to be here tomorrow at ten o'clock." Wow! And I'm in the middle of nowhere in Alaska. In Alaska. Yeah, we just <laughs> found internet at this petrol station. And you've got to get to the uh, Caribbean. I'm like, okay, it's on. Uh, I would love to like yeah, go there. Yeah, I mean, that's there. a hell of an opportunity, yeah. right? You're not going to pass it up. Exactly. You so say, oh, I'm just going to carry on. Fishing yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Fly fishing in Alaska. <laughs> so we we drove straight to Anchorage, and I bought a ticket to the Caribbean. I flew in, and they picked me up in this crazy boat. Um, we went to the island, and. Uh, I met all the people, and I knew a lot of the people already. Um, I never met Branson before. Okay. I, I heard of him, uh, but he wasn't like, uh, oh, I have to meet this guy yeah. at all. He was just, you know, just a guy. Again, two another, arms, another two guy. Legs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I went there. And we had dinner in the evening, and um, I sat next to him. Uh, Susie actually put me next to him. Okay. Um, so we're just chatting along, and uh, I knew he was this this entrepreneurial uh, dude, and with his own airline, and private yeah. jets, and all these, like... Billionaire. Yeah. <laughs> thousands of companies that he started, and and uh, we're just chatting, and um, I think me being uh, very humble about it, and not like, so what's it like to be Rich Branson, you know? Yeah. I was more like, so, got any kiting done, or what's it like kiting here? And he was chatting about it, and at the end, I was like, "Jesus Christ, this guy—he can talk about kiting." <laughs> and uh, he kites. it was like, "Let's talk about something else." So I asked him about the coral reefs around Neca, how you know, like how they're doing and all that, and and we're just chatting for like three hours, and um, all these people are looking at us all the time. And I remember Susie coming up, and she was like, "Hey, you guys okay?" Yeah, 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 fine. Yeah, we're good. <laughs> we're just <laughs> chatting, and then all of a sudden, this guy uh, Joby—he came—he came up and like hey Richard you got to see this video and then he showed uh, Richard um, when I sat next to him 
the video of me jumping off the crane. Oh wow! Um, and then uh, this guy Joby, this American dude that I that I know uh, for many years, he goes, he can he can probably do the same thing off your island tomorrow if you want. <laughs> and Richard, he just looks at me. He's like, Do you want to do that? I can can you do that? I'm, yeah, I mean, let's let's have a look. Let's I don't want to say it. yes now, but let's go and have a look. Uh, and I woke up at like five o'clock in the morning, and I I walked up and down that cliff where I had like had to clear like a big zip line and like forest and all these palm trees and stuff. And it was kind of sheltered when I yeah. so I went. I had one of those flares that wingsuiters and base yeah. jumpers they use. So, so you can I see what popped that, doing. and then the, the smoke kind of stayed there. It didn't just dissolve. It would stay there, and it would show me like the turbulences and all that stuff and then I concluded uh, that it was pretty you know doable and I told Richard that hey are you cool with this and yeah I'm just gonna call this guy and he's gonna just make a waiver for you to sign and he <laughs> sign- I, I looked at the waiver I'm like this is so homemade yeah <laughs> I was loving I thought it was gonna be some super big legal yeah, thing like that he'd 75 got, you know, pages 75 and stuff. pages yeah. if you're jumping off my it was what like a, literally like handwritten yeah exactly <laughs> it was one third of a uh, A4 page if you uh, kill yourself I'm not liable yeah, basically like the grammar and all that it was like way <laughs> off and like yeah whatever and then he signed I signed and uh, I went up there and I, I, I jumped um, and then I came in and he he actually ran down to the beach where I was supposed to come in and I came in and he was like, man, Nick, that was amazing. What you just did there, that was amazing. If I could do that, I would have, but I'm just simply just too old and I'm not yeah. that skilled as you are in, in, in your field. So respect. Yeah. And then I think from, from then on, he, um, I think he just lived a bit through me. Um, okay. Like everything that I do, he's like he's sharing it on his social platforms. And uh, oh, wow. I, so became a, I became a really good friend of it with his son, Sam Branson. Yeah. And um, we had a bender a few a few uh, years ago, and uh, Sam was like, "I'm not jealous on you, but I like You're that like my dad. He's like trying to live his, he, yeah, like, he's yeah. like living his crazy life through you and and me, and you yeah. know, he's being very polite. Um, so I, th- I think from from then on, like him um, uh, discovering the the amount of work that I put into like uh, a jump from his island and yeah. like a minor thing seeing it was a professional thing you didn't just go professional yeah, approach. Jump off it. Yeah. you went up there you scoped it out yeah. you had the flares exactly. and he's like oh wow this guy's serious like, yeah, this exactly. guy's not just a crazy guy who's just doing right. crazy stuff he's actually yeah. calculated making yeah. decisions and looking at it professionally exactly so, so from then on he uh, we'd just been in contact on email and uh, he called me when I broke my ankle and he was like if I can help you with anything rehabilitation if you want to fly into NECA you want to spend you know some time there and just not think about anything and yeah he's been very supportive uh very very helpful and um he's almost more like a friend than a sponsor now because yeah. he, he sponsors me too and um he's just a guy that i can uh, email and without within you know two or three days he would reply and it, at, at the signature at the end it, it goes sent from my from my ipad so it, it's not even his uh his pa who's you yeah know, and I like, it's, it's cool. Like it's that. cool. Yeah, it's. I, I really respect him for that. You know. Yeah. And um, um, I guess I mean he doesn't really write his own emails. Yeah. But to friends and to like minor stuff in his life, I guess he does. He does. Because uh, the grammar is totally off, and uh, <laughs> I mean he is dyslexic. What would he? Dyslexic. Yeah, dyslexic. Or, yeah. yeah, dyslexic. So it's it's. Um, I I found him. I emailed him uh, back in Cape Town when I did the the toe up with the yeah. Brunel team. And uh, I asked him if he wanted to be a part of it because the Brunel team didn't have too much cash and uh, yeah. they were 
they, they had a, a, a tight budget. Um, and I asked them, hey, do you want to tip in with a bit? And do you want to support this? It's going to be a world record. And he was all about, all about it. And he was like, uh, hey, I wish I could fly in. But he was in Finland or something okay. uh, doing a, a talk or whatever. And um, he was like, yeah, uh, how much do you need? And I you know, uh, named an amount. And he was like, yeah, let, let's do it. Perfect. Uh, so he's he's, I feel like no, like it it, when I approach him with a small, I, I wouldn't approach him. Put it that way. I, I'm not gonna approach him with a small little thing. Yeah, it has to be like, like a world that. record so or yeah, like so something it, extraordinary. If you're listening, this was a, a world world record, not even attempt because you did it. Yeah, and you got the Brunel Brunei sailing boat. Yeah, and it towed you up how high? 277 meters. 277 meters, and then yeah. you release and you fly down. down. Yeah, and fly pretty down. much. Yeah. And that's, that must have been quite challenging because I know normally when people do tow-ups and this is where you, you pull a kite border with a rope behind a, a boat or mm-hmm. a car or whatever and it lifts them up into the air, um, they use a motorboat and that's obviously a lot easier to control. Yeah. A sailing yeah. boat, you can't just stop it or turn the engines off. That's it, no. So that must have been quite logistical to make that happen. Oh man, it was a nightmare to be honest. Because <laughs> uh, I need, I need, you know, communications between uh, the safety boat, the the tour boat, the operator who's yep. doing the winch on the boat, and and all that. And I need to stay focused uh, on what you're doing, on what I'm doing. Um, so it was, it was quite challenging, and it took me like four or five times before. Because I had a, I had a release system on my back that. Yep. Uh, that paragliders they use for uh, for toe ups. Yeah. So as soon as you like, you almost look at that release and it, and it, it releases. So it was very very hard. And uh, I teamed up with Jason Furness, um, yeah. who's a legend in my eyes, and he was one of the first kiteboarders in the UK. And yeah. uh, I teamed up with him, and he helped me with all the logistics. He helped me with all the you know uh, comps and uh, emails back and forth. And he was very like he was on the job. Yeah. And um, uh, so, if it wasn't for him, it, 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 I mean, it probably would have happened. But uh, logistic-wise and just timing-wise and everything, he he made it so much easier for me. Yeah. To Nick, you deal with your stuff. I'll I'll, I'll take care of the rest. Um. So, uh, yeah, a fun fun thing to do. That was cool. And then yeah. you touched on it a little bit earlier, and I know we spoke about it in Sicily. I mean, you recently had a, a pretty horrific injury. Yeah. Um, was that the first kind of major injury that you've had that's taken you yes, off the water? Definitely. So, how hard? I mean, firstly, what did you do to yourself, and how did you do it? But also, how hard was that to deal with? Yeah. Um, I did a I did a trip up the west coast in Cape Town with my buddy Graham. Yeah, that's Graham House. Right? Graham House. Dirty yeah. Habits, yeah. Dirty habits. Yeah. Uh, Dirty habits. Bad bad influence. <laughs> a really good friend, but bad, but bad influence. influence. Yeah. And we. Uh, we did a trip up the west coast and um, the wind picked up we weren't really supposed to kite on that trip but you know as soon as you go without kites it always picks up and it's yeah. incredible so we thought let's just don't take, bring, kites, take anyway. kites and um, so obviously the wind picked up and uh, I was riding a 12 I did you know I don't know 50 flat threes and on the 57th uh, flat three I came around and I I'll give you the footage so if you want to you know, yeah, upload can, or something we can share it yeah, yeah. Uh, I landed on my I just landed on a piece of chop or whatever I came around and I landed on my back leg and um, uh, broke my fibula uh, in half it sits Whoa. down by the ankle and uh, all the ligaments in, in my foot uh, and dislocated my heel 
Um, wow. So it was it was quite an injury, um, and um, I, I could feel it straight away. Yeah, that something you knew it was bad. Was wrong. Yeah. Because yeah. I'm pretty far from civilization. If you're on a trip up the west coast, or yeah, two and a half hours. Wow. Yeah. Uh, but when we do, you know, uh, stuff like um, a, a trip like that, I always bring, you know, a whole pharmacy just yeah. uh, to make sure that if I can like. Happens. Yeah, shut down everything and just sleep in the car until I wake up in the, in the hospital. So <laughs> that's pretty much what happened. Uh, and I woke up and I was at the hospital and. Um, uh, the guy looked looked at my ankle and it was you know massive like two ankles an ankle wow. sitting on my ankle pretty much it was crazy big I'll send you some photos too yeah that'd be good we'll link to those <coughs> yeah and um, uh, the guy he he looked at it and he moved it a bit around and I was screaming like a little girl it was so painful and um, he told me well you need surgery and from 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 then on I I realized okay this is this is not good. Yeah, uh, I know that my my good friend Kevin Langery he had a similar injury um, a year before me. Yeah, and he he told me, don't worry, it's it's only you know two months or, so, or something. But um, it was a bit of a different injury. My one, it was uh, the guy, the the surgeon. Uh, he he looked at it and he said, well, this is gonna take between four and six months before you can ride, wow. and uh, an entire year before it's a hundred percent again. Wow. <coughs> and then. Um, uh, I didn't. I didn't really uh, listen. I guess because I was like, "Yeah, you can say what you want, but let, let's let's see." You know, yeah. I always have my hopes up pretty high. And uh, they did. They, you know, I had surgery. And uh, post surgery, uh, I had a few people looking at it, including a, a, a very legitimate uh, Red Bull um, guy. Yeah. And uh, he also told me that uh, it's it's pretty bad. Uh, and um, I was in bed for three and a half weeks. Whoa. Ankle elevated above my heart at all time. And wow! <laughs> I was just in bed, you know, uh, trying to justify watching a series on a Monday evening or Monday yeah. morning because I never do that. Yeah. And uh, at the end, I was I became very productive on emails and you know, uh, catching up with people and uh, it, 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 you know what I think in total I had an hour where I was like, okay, this is bad. This is yeah. this is bad. Other than that, I've been super positive, and yeah. I have great friends and uh, family, and a super supportive girlfriend. And it's it it wasn't that hard, you know. I was just like, well, sweet. I don't have to travel that much, you know. <laughs> Get some routine in my yeah, life. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so you know, from being in bed, peeing in a bottle for freaking four weeks, uh, to next phase was you know walking around on crutches. To the face where I'm now, uh, now I can walk, I can carry stuff. I'm not on crutches anymore. I can actually ride. I can, yeah. but I, I can't. Like the other day in Denmark, uh, it was pretty windy, and I decided not to go because I was just too scared. Yeah, I felt like if I went, I would have gone for like a massive kite loop board off or something, and then <laughs> you Blow break your ankle up. again. Yeah, so. I'm so very, you're being um, sensible about it and very, restricting yeah. the temptation, yeah. I guess, to yeah. send it. And it's funny because all these people are like, so you're taking it very easy, like compared to a crazy guy that you yeah. are. And uh, I think that's just another example of, of, of yeah, me not being that that crazy of a guy. I know I do crazy stuff and from people's perspectives. Yeah. But from my perspective, it's not crazy. It's very well planned. It's very, yeah. very well thought through. And 
you know, I didn't party last night because I need I needed to talk to you today because <laughs> otherwise it would be like totally quiet. I'll just be like, <laughs> can you repeat that? I actually didn't, didn't stay out too late either. And, uh, right, kept, things, yeah. kept things fairly well, fairly sensible. Yeah, fairly sensible. I knew I had to. Speak, it was mainly because I knew I had to speak to Pete this morning. And oh, I, not know, me. Well, I, well, oh, I knew I could okay. speak to you with okay, a hangover, Rube, Nick, because yeah. I know what you're like. But I was like, if I rock up smelling the booze to Pete, then that's not yeah, gonna look good. You're, you're done. Um, so that's kind of interesting that you've been sort of, you know, having to focus around the injury. What stage of the recovery at now? You mentioned it's like a year before it's going to be 100%. Yeah. How long are we into it? Now? I think I'm at, at 8 out of 10, eight. I would say. Okay. And it's funny how, how, how things in, in, your, in your mind and in, in my, you know, perspective of, you know, being a professional kiteboarder and trying to achieve something that no one has ever, ever done before. And um, has it changed anything? Uh, nope, <laughs> not 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 really. Uh, I probably won't do too many flat threes or any like too much freestyle anymore. Yeah, because it's not worth my yeah. injury, and I'm not a freestyle type of, type of guy. If it was, you know, uh, anyone like Liam or anyone else, um, they, I mean, they have to. You know, yeah, that's um, what they do. <clears throat> I don't have to. I do it for, for the fun of it. I can easily do a handlebars. It would take me like a few days to train up for a double handlebars. Um, yeah. But it's, that's not my thing, you know. Yeah. Uh, what I do, I try to like kite in a swimming pool uh, in small ponds, just to look to make kiteboarding look like Something what different. I think is kiteboarding. Yeah, it's not like I don't think a freestyle uh, backmope yeah. is isn't kiteboarding because it is. Whatever you know. But for me, we we can use the kite as a parachute, yeah. as a lift. So why not do that? Yeah. Not. N- I'm, I'm not saying that I have anything against you know uh, slim chances and, and blind judges and all the freestyle stuff. I think that's cool, but I just like to use the kite um, in a different way. Yeah, and do something different yeah. with it. You've um, sort of get onto the sort of last question, but something I wanted to ask you about was you've had a, a big relationship with the Red Bull King of the Air event, which is yeah. arguably the biggest event in kiteboarding yeah. at the moment and has been for several years. Obviously, you broke your ankle just before that event this year. Yeah. How painful was that to know that you wouldn't be able to compete in arguably the event that is the event for you, if you like? Yeah. It's like it's made for you, that event. It's big air. It's kind right. loops. It's how you ride. Yeah. Um, was that th- a tough th- thing, the timing of it? It's uh, c- Can you swear on this podcast? Yeah, you I, can. Yeah. yeah. I think uh, when I won in 2017, I won King of the Air. Yeah. Um, I... Uh, obviously wanted to win it again but I would I would rather you know show the people what I think kiteboarding is about yeah have a great heat if I did a 10 out of 10 uh, uh, if I was the judge and I judged my heat and I did a 10 out of 10 you'd be happy and I got a second place I'd still be happy yeah. um, definitely like no doubt um, so me winning um, the first time uh, no one can ever take that away from me yeah I, w- I want it. You've I have the trophy bag at my mom's place, and you know, <laughs> so it's. Aren't those things made of bits of animal and a bit stinky and a bit? I know Aaron. That's why not, I gave it to my mom. Aaron's not allowed to have his trophy in his house. Like Danny, really? Danny won't let him have the trophy in the house because it's like they're, they're sort of very African. These trophies, yeah, I guess, yeah, is what they are. Say. Yeah, it's kind it was of like not, sort of not easy to bring a trophy. Yeah, <laughs> when I brought it through uh, customs and stuff, they stopped me and they're like, so I, so Red Bull they uh, printed out a form for me to show, and they're like, oh cool, so you won that competition because everyone in Cape Town they know about this competition yeah. is you know and um but anyway coming back to the subject was that I I didn't give a shit about winning again okay and you've so got it you've done it I've done it uh, I've proven myself if that what I had to do uh, I've I've I was 
really happy when I won. I mean, it was a great achievement in, in my kiteboarding career. And being the most um, prestigious event in of all time in kiteboarding, and me winning that, like... That's crazy. Wow, that's pretty cool. Yeah. I won against Aaron Hadlow, yeah. Ruben, uh, Yuri, like all these legends, World Kevin, champions. Jesse, Lasse, like, I'm like... and. I was the guy who ended up on top. <laughs> Jesus, wild, you know? So I didn't, um, <clears throat> when I broke my ankle 12 days before the event, obviously I was a bit bummed and I wanted to show off because I'm I'm I love showing off. Yeah. That, that's my thing. And um, I was more bummed about that um, than not, that me not com- competing. Competing. Yeah. So the fact that you weren't able to show yeah. your skills to the crowd and exactly. you know, throw down some I wanted to show that because I want people to start kiteboarding and realize how much fun it is. Um, and I believe that I am able to show that uh, yeah. throughout my writing. And that's what I wanted to do at, at the event, especially when there's like live stream, quarter million people watching and uh, not, not even more. And the whole beat's just packed. It hypes you up when you're in the water. So... Um, but being on the side of things this year, I had my family there, my girlfriend, she flew down when I broke my ankle, and it was great, you know? I was cheering for my friends, I was like writing down all the tricks, all the heats, and yeah. uh, uh, I was, you know... Mind judging. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, and I was, you know what, I was um, very surprised with the judge, with the judges. Um, they they uh, advanced people uh, like I would have. And, yep. and I was very on it. Uh, I might have been on morphine at that time. Uh, so a bit <laughs> out there. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> but I'm like, yeah, I'm, I think Jesse, he won that heat. And then, so the guy who advances to fourth round is Jesse Richburn. I'm like, oh, sweet. Awesome. You know? So I was just following the whole thing on the side. And that was interesting. Um, I didn't at any any time feel like, hey, I want to be out there. Out. I was in so so many pain, so much pain. So I was just, you know, enjoying um, being on the side for once yeah you said something really interesting there which I think would be a nice point to end on and that's that you want to show people that kiteboarding is really good fun everyone wants to everyone wants is, to that's a really nice attitude to have you yeah know, that you want to show people that kiteboarding is awesome uh-huh. and that's great um, so yeah I really like that attitude yeah and I think you know your attitude to kiteboarding and what you've done for the sport and how you've opened it up to the masses is a fantastic thing Nick so yeah kiteboarding is fun and everyone should do it thank you very much Nick that was a really great little conversation I enjoyed that that was perfect there we have it episode one in the bag and what a fantastic guest Nick was if you've enjoyed this then please subscribe tell your friends about it share it on social media and spread the word until next week, you've been listening to Rue Chater and the Intriguing Beings podcast. Thank you.